This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Well, hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street podcast, the Everton FC podcast for the fans by the fans. I'm your standing host, Paul Wheelock, because Ian Kroll is off sick, which may or may not have everything to do with one to avoid talking about what happened at St. James's Park on Saturday. But I am glad to say I'm joined by Rob Astle. Evening, mate. Uh, fellow View from the Gladys Street regular, Conor O'Neill. And the podcast debutants uh, and our co-manager of Witness Under Sixes, who, uh, whose defending was <laughs> definitely better than Everton's on Saturday, <laughs> Anthony McAllen. Did you at least keep a clean sheet? Not quite. No, conceded <laughs> yeah. nine, like, but you know we scored four, <laughs> so it wasn't too bad. Uh, but before we get stuck into the Newcastle game, I know Ian always asks anyone who comes on the pod for the first time what they've made of Everton's season so far. We've only got eight games to go, uh, and so what do you make of it? What have you, you thought of Everton this season? I'll definitely be glad when we get to May and the last game of the season's done and over with. Um, optimism definitely went out the window very, very early on. Um, early exits to Millwall, very, very disappointing. Probably disappointing is the best way to summarise our season. Was expecting big things myself with the appointments that we made with Mr Brands, um, Silver as well, to, to a point, and even some of the recruitment that we've done. Um, I can't say that I can take many positives out of it. Maybe the sign of Lucas Dinian has been a, a plus point. Um, Gomez has shown flashes at times but not enough consistency and uh, I'm still unsure as to whether or not we should make that a permanent signing um, if you'd asked me of the loan deals that we had I'd say Zoom has probably done the most out of them as well so on a whole very disappointing looking forward to getting the last game over with May rebuild our optimism whether that be with Silver in charge at this moment in time and after Saturday's result I don't wholly know well, we'll come more on to that because I think, I speak for all of us here, we were hoping we could just enjoy the final eight games with a modicum of like excitement after the win over Cardiff and then the good derby draw with Liverpool and two up at half-time against Newcastle. It felt like, you know, things are going to take off again and at least finish on a, a bit of a high then. Rob, what happened in that second half? I think that entire game summed our season up in one in one game, really. You know, it's a up cruise and played some really good attacking football. And then second half, just complete capitulate, complete capitulation from. You know, I thought the manager got it slightly wrong, but I just thought the players just bottled it again. Just that the team just lacks a leader. Um, I could see what Silva was trying to do by bringing on the extra centre half, but the midfield wasn't functioning for that to for that to have worked. Yeah, it's just I, I looked, you know, come when the final was up, you know, when it, when it all come through, I was like, I'm not even surprised. <laughs> not even surprised. I wasn't surprised. As soon, as soon as Rondon scored, I knew it was going to be one of them days. And uh, yeah, just where'd you go? We we built that little bit of momentum up from you know the the Cardiff game and then the you know two clean sheets, two really good defensive performances to that. I mean, don't be wrong. I know refereeing decisions didn't really go away, go go for us either. But still, you tune it up at half time. You've got to be seeing them games out. It's just a reoccurring theme of our season, isn't it? Where you you think we've turned a corner, you think the pennies dropped, you think this is it now. You know, 
I mean, we were only talking on Friday saying we're six points off seven if we can get a win tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking you openly, maybe, 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 maybe we maybe we got a little we got a little bit too far ahead of ourselves. Just one win in the draw, that's all it takes, you know. Everything. You know, we, we were kind of you know going for the optimistic approach of you know we can get a run together here, we've got a chance, and you look after twenty minutes, they've missed a penalty, we're two 0 up. You're thinking, God, you know this this could be it, and then. You know, like Rob said, there you're not surprised, and you knew once the once one goes in, that the, the team just shrinks, doesn't it? I mean, that goal was scored too early as well, wasn't it? You know, if it was a bit later on, maybe like eighty minutes when they went and made the two one, you'd have been like, "All right, we'll we'll try and see it out." But what was it fifty odd minutes? You just mm-hmm. knew. Uh, the the team for me that when 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 stuff like that happens to us, it's like we shrink two foot, two feet straight away, and just mm-hmm. we just sort of crumble. And th- there seems no answer to it, and that's the worrying thing because. He makes subs and he tries to change things, but it very rarely ever comes off. And I saw an interesting stats on Twitter earlier, basically saying that's like thirty, just under thirty percent of our goals we've conceded have been coming from we've played three centre backs across. Right. Mm-hmm. Or we've Didn't tried. Or we've tried no, with. No. We've had three centre backs on in the pitch. Mm. So it's because obviously in the derby it happens and, and other times, and that's the worrying thing for me with Silver is that he can't seem to stop it. And it just it keeps happening, and just it's from. I mean, he's not solely to blame for the weekend because the players have got to take a long hard look at themselves. But he must know what's coming himself. So if he can't put a plan in place for when it goes two one, and he thinks, "But we're going to make this change now and settle down," then that is a worry because it kind of means that we're going back down the track of not learning from our mistakes. And we saw that with you know the set pieces, didn't we? I mean that. Saturday's game was only missing us to concede from a set piece, and it would have <laughs> would have yeah. completely. It would have been our season in, in, in one game. You know, the good. I mean, I think Phil Kay Brad wrote the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it wasn't very far off. The, the set, a set piece would have would have summed it all up, and it's just it's not surprising. And you know, I think almost now Everton just come to expect stuff like this to happen, and that's that's the sad thing about it. It is I pick up something that Conor and Rob just said there, and. Silver will take some share of the blame because his substitutions just didn't work. But to go back to what Rob said about like bottle, is there enough leaders in this team? I would definitely say not, no. Um I was asked a question myself on Saturday night. Um if you could have three wishes, three wishes for Everton, what would those three wishes be? Only be Everton related and <clears throat> I've took a good long hard think <laughs> about it. And as we were Coming into the studio today, we were discussing ourselves, Paul, and the main thing we brought upon of the three wishes involved leadership and leaders. Uh, we don't seem to have it. And, you know, our season, I found myself, although it never really ignited and got going properly, that first derby when we lost that game in the 96th minute, we have had the longest, what feels like a hangover, <laughs> yeah. for near on three months to get over that result. We went and beat Cardiff 3-0, clean sheet. We then went and got the 0-0 draw at home to Liverpool. And you thought, yeah, that's that's us now. It's kick on time. Right to discuss, you know, Europa League football. It should be a bare minimum that this season should be attaining as far as I'm concerned. But the leadership from, you know, possibly Silva further down does seem to be lacking in a... A large way, you know, there's a big gap of it in there and that, and I can't see anybody on the pitch that is standing up and taking on authority and getting those players. Yeah, we've conceded to keep it tight, 
you watch him, you do this. There's there's no one standing up. Um, and then throughout the team, they're not standing up to be counted, as far as I'm concerned. How do you get that, lads? You know, do you, you know, in, do they develop leaders? You know, do players become leaders over the years? It is a fairly young team. Or do you think Brands, Silver, which we presume will still be in this summer, have got to go out and actually buy, you know, a captain, you know, from another team? I think that's got to be one of the prerequisites for whatever position we sign. If it's a centre forward, if it's a midfielder, you know, right back, whatever it is, they've got to have leadership qualities and have to have no issues in giving them the arm on straight away, whether they're new or not. Um, Moyes did it with Phil Neville. Now, I'm not Phil Neville's biggest fan at all. I, you know, I go to the point where I, I can't stand them watching <laughs> play football, but for some bizarre reason, he seems to be able to rally that team at times. And we need something similar, someone to come in in the summer who can, who can, who can, when you can see the goal, calm things down, because that's what we lacked on Saturday, just to say, hang on a minute, just relax. You know, you could argue maybe Rooney could have done that if he was still mm-hmm. on the team, but he obviously is not, but yeah, you, it's got to be definitely one of the prerequisites when it comes to signing players in the summer. Just before we move on to Jack's like picking the bones out of that defeat, probably starting with Jordan Pickford. Uh, Robbie just said to me then coming in, it's Marco Silva's been charged with a breach of FA Rule E3. Uh, supposedly alleged to improper conducts on the, the sidelines against Newcastle. Before we do start picking the bones out, as I said, is, is he got a point, you know, where we badly let down by the officials on, on, on Saturday? We've been let down by the officials for, and not just Everton, a lot of teams have been let down by the officials, um, especially this year. It just seems to be more than alarm, like because of you know VARs in other countries and it's in other competitions. And yeah, Marco Silva's just been charged there with improper conduct. Why aren't the referees accountable for their bad decisions? For Newcastle's winner, there was four players offside, three or four players in offside positions, and I'm not just like you know slight. They were blatantly you know yards offside you know go back to that Liverpool West Ham game a few couple of weeks ago James Milner was two or three yards offside when he when he crossed the ball in for Liverpool to score they're not consistent enough so of course he's got a right to go and complain I think and it was a Pochettino the other week mm. who went another goal at Mike Dean yeah yeah after the Burnley game after the Burnley game I don't get why they're so protected why have they I understand that there's a there's a level of like professionalism that you need, but when the, you're being persistently let down by them, then obviously you know tempers are going to boil over. It's justified. It's, yeah, it's almost it's almost justified in a sense because they're not accountable to anyone. So you've got to go and have a go at them, whether it be in the tunnel, on the pitch, or whatever. Because a referee doesn't stand that you know against the press do they and go I made this decision because such and such you know they don't do it so it's a charge Silver's just silly for me he's gone on and he's, he's had a pop at him um, it was the same with Zuma the other week wasn't it against yeah, Watford after the game yeah you know you can't the, the two, they're just untouchable and it, it's wrong to be fair to say Connor that we also got a bit of bit of luck in our favour didn't we on Saturday with the, the pick for that who we're going to come on to now He's getting a lot of stick, Jordan Pickford online, you know, certainly on like the Radio Mary side on the on after the game I was listening to. Does he deserve it? You know, is this a, is this just a bad bad day at the office for Pickford or is this kind of day being coming a bit? Uh, no, he definitely deserves it because no no player should be immune from criticism and there's been enough, you know, lads who've probably been maybe a little bit too harshly criticised this year. Um, 
playing as bad as what people have made out. Um, I go back to what Ant said earlier about since that derby goal, we seem to be on the biggest hangover, and he seems to be at the forefront of that because I don't think he's really recovered, and we've seen his kind of almost rash behaviour, haven't we? You know what I mean? You look back at the, in the Spurs game where he took Deli Ali out, just, just, yeah, just yeah, took him yeah. clean out, yeah. and he got away with it because Ali was offside, but. He still could, he still could be being could sent, be sent off because yeah. it was, it was yeah. that bad. I mean, we've seen other times where, you know, the Bournemouth game, I know we won 2 0, but he, he fires, a, he takes a quick sort of goal kick and absolutely fires it. Michael Keane is just like, doesn't know what to do with it, and hopefully flicks it on. They play it in, and obviously it costs some others out, but it's them small moments that you, you see building up where when something like Saturday happens, that that's kind of, you, you look back and it was being coming because in every game, yeah. There's been some kind of erratic moment where, or erratic bit of play where he's you've kind of thought, what's he doing? You know, why is why is he doing that? Why isn't he just killing the game? Why isn't he? And you know, there's no doubt when he, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. But for me, sometimes I, I think he believes his own hype. I think he gets so hyped up and so like, you know, rare and it's, imma- it's immaturity. You know, he's 24, yeah. and, and, and don't get me wrong, at 24, you should be able to you know hold your own and things like that. But it, for me, it's just a lack of it's a lack of maturity in in, in games like that. You know, the Newcastle fans were, they knew, you know, they, they were did, wine. They were doing a yeah. good they? They, they did a good last year. year. Yeah. You know, they did a good one last year and they do it this year. And, and he rises to it and he's got to learn. It's like, he, it's like he loves it though, is it? It's like yeah. he, want, he wants to get like people to shout at him. So he, do it after the he, game gets, rallied, he gets rallied up and that. Yeah. And for me, I just think it's, that's that's all well and great when you're one of the world's best players and you, you know, you, you can produce, you know, we've all seen Ronaldo get absolutely lambasted by fans over the years, but then, the likelihood is he could produce an overhead kick or a 35 yard screamer and silence a lot of them. Mm. You know, Pickford doesn't do that enough on enough occasions. And for me, his, his erratic kind of goalkeeping style has really comes to force since that Merseyside derby in Anfield. Yeah. And yeah, it probably was waiting to happen, if we're being honest. I think you look back on the, the moments of the season. Um, I don't get me wrong, I think we've conceded the goals in recent weeks where he could have done a little bit, a little bit better anyway. I think there's, there's been moments where and goals where he could have done a little bit better, but. It's just been easier to blame, you know, the, the back four. Or I mean, I know someone made the point where we were struggling off set pieces. Where they were saying, "Well, yeah, but Pickford's not coming off his line to c- collect crosses, so you can't really have a go with the whole back four. Pickford maybe should do more in terms of relieving pressure off his off his back four. So I think it was coming, and he was a lucky, lucky boy to stay on the pitch. If we're being honest, a very lucky boy to stay on the pitch because see, I disagree there. No, I I think. The lesser of the law, which we I think we should stick to the lesser of the law, and if ever referees on that, we would be it would be an easier game to watch, and we wouldn't have debates every week. But you can't do the double punishment anymore, can you? No, he's already given the penalty. Yeah, you could have booked. No, you can't. No, you can't. You could have booked them. No, you know you can, you can still send them off if there was no clear intent. Yeah. to play the ball, which is what people say. You rugby tackled the fella. Yeah, you know, the ball bounced the other way, and he he's <clears> after <throat> the way to, to stop the lad running. So they were saying he could have been sent off. Yeah, technically he should have been sent off because. The ball have gone a different way to the way he moved. Where you get sent off, the double movement is where you make a latch this tackle, but you might clip yeah. them, and you still make, you made an attempt, but you've just yeah. been a little bit late. Whereas his was so rash, and I mean, the more you watch it, the more. It's, but you know it's what? Incredible. He, he did, didn't he do the same for England against Spain? Remember that three-two game? Yeah, he did. Was yeah, it like yeah, Aspas yeah. or yeah, the he Barcelona strike? Like he cor- did maybe yeah. something similar. Didn't he got he? away with a corner, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he got away with it. Uh, on Pickford it, there if you don't mind me jumping in no, not at all. I'd turn around and say 
Um, I think, to be honest, Pickford's managed to sort of stay out of the criticism and everything because of his season last year. Obviously, I think he pretty mm-hmm. much cleaned yeah, up with the, the Players of the Year yeah, awards, yeah. didn't he? Obviously, he had the tournament that he had for England as well on top of it. So, as, as Evertonians, you know, we had them on this pedestal, you know, big massive plinth, and, and that's the way how we sort of... I think managed to stay clear of it for so long. And, and then the other thing I'd turn around and say was he was his own worst enemy for the derby because he opened his mouth about Alisson's error. Was it against mm. Yeah, I, I think Burnley? I think he, yeah, I think he was Burnley. I think the headline no, did him sorry, no it was Leicester, wasn't Leicester. it? The Leicester. headline did him no favours to be fair yeah. to Pickford. I don't think but still why talk about him? Exactly. Why yeah. talk about him, exactly. mate? That, 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 that's sort of my point. And if he'd have kept his mouth, he probably wouldn't have made that error. And because mm. he did it was of his own doing as far as I was concerned. And he has suffered since then, like the rest of the team, from that derby defeat to where we are right now, you know, heading towards the last eight games of the season. Again, you know, talking about the results on Saturday, it sums up our season. Pickford's performance sums up Everton's season and his season with us mm-hmm. as well. It's been very, very much of that ilk, I would say. Up and down. I think, I think as well on Pickford, there's, there's no one challenging him. He's got a kid mm-hmm. is in Java, Virginia, but he's Stecklenburg. got or Stecklenburg. Yeah. There's no one, there's no one there, you know, to compete with, and I think that's another issue we've got to resolve in the well, summer. Well, that is the big problem, is because you know, Virginia's a young, highly thought of developing goalkeeper who you know looks very accomplished. I watched him last week at Anfield, and he didn't have a lot to do, but what he did do, he done very well. But you'd still say he's not ready for the first team. There's, step, there's, there's a big gap, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. And then you've got Martin Stecklenburg, who I think, if we're all being brutally honest, Jordan Pickford's probably. A, as worse is probably still best than Mark Stettlenberg and you know he kind of just seems to be there to fill the the voice almost of Mm. we've got to have someone sitting on the bench so we might as well let it be him but again there seems to be problems with every bit of Everton's sort of squad where you want to improve because it's really hard to bring a good second choice goalkeeper in who could potentially challenge him because a lot of goalkeepers will look at it and go well I know he's your number one I know he's just signed a new five-year contract. He's, he's highly thought of having England's number one. Why am I going to come and sit on the bench in the hope that he might have one of them games where he could produce next season? We could bring someone in the summer mm. and then he could produce a season like he did last year where he's pretty much flawless throughout the whole yeah. campaign. So then that person's just sat on the bench. And and if and in my opinion, he should play League Cup games because we should be playing a full-strength team in the League yeah, Cup. The so yeah. he would, I wouldn't even give the, the backup goalkeeper the League <laughs> Cup games because I play him go full strength so that's it, it's a, it's another tricky one isn't it because how many goal, genuinely good goalkeepers out there are going to go oh, I'll come and play back up at Everton that's it a team that's you know sort of mid-table team it's yeah. not like we've even got European football and got okay you play you Europa League you play, like yeah. you know so, some of the uh, some of the other clubs in Europe do don't they where they, they, they rotate, rotate the keepers that way where they'll give them the European game so you are going to struggle to get anyone of any kind of calibre of, of pushing them in for that reason unless you've got something like that to offer and go, yeah, OK, at the moment, Jordan Pitford's number one league, as you say, full-strength team when we go out into the cup competitions. Europe, however, yes, that is your forte for the season and, you know, we'll build from there. If he continues to make mistakes and you're performing well in the European games, your opportunity in the league and, and more will come. But at the moment... We, we can't offer that to anybody so mid-table team you, you, you're not going to attract anybody I think as well it's hard because you know how many good goalkeepers is the actually out there in the Premier League you know there's 
there's not an abundance, is there, of them? You know, you you got to De Gea, Edison, Becker. They're at the teams at the top, aren't they? The top. They, we're not going to get any one of them. After that, you know, Lloris can be good on his day, but he's been a little bit like Pickford this year. Yeah, where yeah. Definitely. He's been a little bit stop start. Arsenal's keeper probably had his best game yesterday, but again, doesn't fill you with much confidence. Mm. Chelsea's goalkeepers not great in my opinion for the money that he cost. And that, like to be subbed. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then after that, the, you know, you 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 probably pay Pick, Pickford's the best by an absolute country mile. So just not on current form, unfortunately yeah. for us. It, it's mad, isn't it, that we're talking about Everton's in England number one is a bit of a not a problem but an issue at the moment, isn't it? And as as Rob and Connor will know, Ian always opens the floor to this mm. uh, podcast to the uh, listeners on Raw Blue Facebook page and a lot of questions came in about Pickford. We may have covered some of this already, but uh, just a quick one. Matthew Barry, continuing from what you were saying then, Hans, is or can Jordan Pickford be reliable enough for Everton to move forward? So we're not even talking about a backup keeper to come in and push him. Should we even be possibly having a debate of whether he should be the long-term number one, which last season there was no doubt about that whatsoever. If you've got the Pickford of last season, then definitely no doubt. The Pickford that we have at the moment, you know, could possibly part of it be he has no confidence in his own defence. Could that be affecting him? That, uh, Lights have just could... gone out on our defence here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, that could possibly be part of what is affecting his performance as far as I'm concerned. Because if I was in goal behind that defence in... You know how we've been conceding and the manner that we've been conceding the goals. I would be very nervous of of what to expect and what to be coming in. So again, we could you know partially put some blame away from from Jordan and put it on the, on the defence. You know, and I'm not just calling the four the back four or you know when we switch to three centre backs and so on. It's the midfield as well uh, and not taking ownership. And again, we go back to what we're discussing there, leadership. Pickford, from all the games I watch, I can hear him. He's got a voice on him. You know, he is potential of a leader. If, you, if you're good enough, you know, you're old enough. I know he's only 24. Pickford the last season, definitely yes. Pickford right now, no. <laughs> Throw this, one, throw this one to you, Rob. It's uh, from Mark David Smith. Kind of, kind of touched on it, but he says, do you think we should take Jordan Pickford out of the first team for a couple of games and give the under-23 goalkeeper a go as, to basically act as a bit of a kick up the backside for Pickford? I, 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 you know what, I would, but I, we're not technically safe yet. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't think we're in the, you know, in the, in the, uh, Right frame of mind to be experiment, experimenting with goalkeepers at the minute. So from now, Jordan Pickford stays in. I mean, if it's the last game of the season, you know, a couple of games to go, maybe bring in Virginia. But or if he was, or if he was more, if he was more developed, this yeah. Virginia, then maybe. But no, keep it with Pickford at the minute. I, I, I st- I'm still under the, the the thing with Pickford where he he'll save us more points than he'll cost us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I think that's kind of the main thing we should be looking at. Really, he is a good goalkeeper. He's England's number one. Um, and you know, he just needs someone to put him in his place at the minute, really. I think, and and give him a bit of a dressing down, and he just needs to get that little bit more mature. I think, but you know, goalkeepers don't tend to really come into the prime until until they're a little bit older either. So hopefully that will come. 
perfectly uh, placed that, mate, because Mark Ellison was asking, what do you think Peter Reid, Dave Watson, Pat Van der Howe would have done to Jordan Pickford after the game on Saturday? He's becoming too erratic and arrogant to consistently keep, keep clean sheets. Does he need taken aside and be told to sort out his attitude? Can I, do you kind of echo what Rob's just said then? And Can you do that in this day and age? I was going to say, know, it's football, football's changed, hasn't it, yeah. since, since them days. And, you know, na- nowadays there's a lot more sugar coating, isn't there? And it tends to be more... Everyone's wrapped in cotton wool and give a pat on the back. And I think he does need to be told to calm down by Marco Silver. I think it'd be disappointing if Silver hasn't had conversations with him. Um, certainly since Saturday, and, and he said you need to, you know, calm down and stop being so erratic. Um, but in terms of what the dressing room would say, I haven't watched the way he performs for half an hour, the last half an hour. I don't think any of them have got. Any bottles to stand up and say anything to anyone? <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like we were saying before. No, there's no, there's no leaders yeah. just to do that. There's no yeah. leaders so, to do it. And I mean, I suppose you could turn around and say, "Well, hang on a minute. What did you do in the last half an hour?" You know. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. Then it then it just starts a bit of in, internal fighting, doesn't it? So, in terms of the the whole people having a word, I think the manager should have a word. And the thing that these these type of situations always interest me with the goalkeeping coach because. For me, a goalkeeping coach should be doing stuff like that. You would like to think that Silver's goalkeeping yeah, he's coach his is, boss almost, is saying to yeah. him, you know, you need to, what are you doing, calm down, you know, this, that and the other, because otherwise, what's the point in having a goalkeeper coach there? Because I know these are training drills and stuff with them, but that's where I always think a goalkeeping coach is then the money, is managing the goalkeeper, you know, almost putting an arm around the shoulder, like I said earlier, and pulling to one side and saying, you know, what's going on? You know, calm down. So I'd like to think that's happened at the club as well because we need to see more of the collective kinds of unit unity strength because we've seen, you know, over the last couple of years, Ronald Koeman and his coaching staff reportedly shown very little interest and didn't really want to know. Sam Allardyce basically let his coaching staff, by all accounts, run <laughs> pretty much a lot of the what was going on on the yeah. pitch because he was never there. So you'd like to think that as a collective, the, it's a bit more... United and there's a little bit more trust and almost that's where the goalkeeping coach will now earn his, his, his money and sort of get Pickford back his head back down and back on track more than you know players singling him out and shouting at him The View from the Gladys Street Podcast from the Liverpool Echo The View from the Gladys Street Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Positive one now from Callum Lapsley. He said, we actually played very well for the first 70 minutes against Newcastle. Can we as fans not concentrate on the positives from that game? Bernard Gomez played well. Cavett-Lewin scored again. We should have had at least one pen. The third goal was offside. Silva surely doesn't take the blame. Can you see any positives? You know, try be a bit upbeat. I mean, I agree with what he's saying about certain individual performances. I thought Lucas Dean was great. Bernard was... I think Bernard's been coming into his own this past few weeks in general, to be honest with you. Um, uh, Gomez played well. But at the end of the day, it's the result what matters, isn't it? And in terms of Silver taking blame, like I said before, I could see what he was trying to do. Newcastle were lumping balls up, you know, know, the long ball, and to bring on that extra centre half to try and deal with that was probably the right thing to do. But what he didn't realise was was that his midfield was tiring and we yeah. weren't winning the second ball. Yeah, maybe Schneidlin would have been a better option. I know it's easy to say yeah. hindsight, so, isn't it? But. So, but I could see what Silva was trying to do. But for me, a lot of it's still down to, the, to these players. There's just the mental block that they've got is just, it's unreal to see. Like you saying before, if we go, we shrink to two feet tall 
yeah. when when you know when when we're under the caution it's a uh, it's alarming to see and in terms of silver taking blame he takes some of the blame but not all of it a lot of it, for me a lot of it's on um a lot of it's on the players still just throw on my own questions in if that's all right because it's something I probably say in every game we go watch you know Richarlison scored again on Saturday 12 goals in 26 starts I think if he gets to like 15 that's a very respectable figure but there's part of me that I think these goals these tappings in scoring is disguising the fact that he's not actually playing too well again at the moment and you know he, he came off again on Saturday you know he came off early against Huddersfield he came on late against Liverpool did well what are your thoughts about Richarlison at the moment? Uh I know what you're saying, but where where would we be without a no, goal? No, I agree. I'm That's just playing the, devil's advocate. Yeah. It's a bit like Pickford, isn't it? You and, know, and a bit like you know the, the conversation we all had about Gilfie Sigurdsson as well. At the yeah. end of the day, yeah. they're, they're both on ten plus goals, and they're obviously vital to the team, vital to the team in some in some capacity. And it's fine in the right space for them to to uh, to show what they can do best. But I do agree with Charles and his performances in general aren't great, but. You've got his goals there, which have probably saved us this, this season. There are two, Richarlison and Sigurdsson are our most expensive players that we have in the squad. So what you're looking for from them is consistency in the performances. And I think that is definitely what both those players have been missing out of the game this season. You're most expensive for a reason. We want you to bring the team on, make us better. And Richarlison, he did it for Watford, didn't he? Started the season off last year on fire, mm. banging them in left, right and centre, and then went quiet. And he seems to have done a little bit the same for ourselves. But I do see big things from him. You know, whether he's using us as a stepping stone, I don't know, but while he's in a blue jersey, I would like him to do a bit more for the 50 million that we paid for him. It, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I agree with what what's being said it's you're expecting more but is that because of the price we paid and what he's done so early on that you, your expectations get a little bit higher but at the same time it's hard to really moan when you look at the stats and you think well actually you know for a winger you probably could say he has pulled his weight because he was signed as a winger he did initially start the season as a winger it was just the fact that we were so poor up top that he basically got put there as a bit of a solution to the problem and maybe as a maybe as a consequence of that he's you know, struggled to live up to the hype of becoming maybe he starts believing the hype that he's a number nine when I think we all quite clearly know now he's not a number nine and you know, his his natural position is out wide and it's a tough one because the the thing for me is his attitude sometimes. I also the Wolves game was when I first noticed where he was the first to give up. After about 10, 15 minutes, it wasn't going his way. He hadn't had much of the ball. We were struggling to get out. And he gave up. He just looked like he'd down. He'd give up as if to say, well, today's not going to be my day. And, you know, so be it. And that's a worry when players start going like that because what what, what do you expect then long term if they're going to, when the going gets tough, they're just going to give up. And it was no surprise me to see him get dropped after that because his performance didn't warrant a start. But, at the same time, you could say what Steel Walcott's done, couldn't you? For yeah. A number of a number <laughs> of weeks to want us to start. So I think 
the problem we've got at the minute is, is that all our wingers seem to be better impact players than they do starters. We've just got one problem that we'd have to stop at least <laughs> yeah. two. Yeah. You know? yeah. You're yeah. Just bring them all on after yeah. 60 yeah. minutes, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Just start playing a diamond. Rob said was right, though, was that Bernardo's coming to his own in recent weeks and actually looked totally good starting. And a show flashes of what he could really be about because before that, he was one of them who come on make a real big impact and you go oh, he deserves a start next game you get a start and go missing and go and do absolutely nothing and you think oh god he has you on the edge of the seat last week and he's basically touched the ball and then he come back on then two weeks down the line you, you give 20 minutes but you think god that was just some of them touches there and then but now he looks like he's gone the other way where he can now start a game and influence it and sadly Richarlison looks like he's gone the other way where he makes more of an impact off the bench saying there though about Bernard like what I have noticed is um, he's got this bit, bit of a partnership now with Lucas Dean. Definitely, yeah. 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 And they're starting to read each other's game and it, it, I don't want to jump the gun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're going oh, to say, oh, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> and, but you know what though? That's never ever been, re- re- ever been replaced. That's no. pass on Saturday, no look pass almost. Yeah. Like reverse you know, pass. And, and, that was classic, and wasn't it? And that's what I like about Bernard. He's got this ability to see passes what nobody else in that team yeah. can see. And it doesn't half help. And I... I'd be half tempted, you know, could he, he be a number 10? Mm, possibly, you know, yeah. you know, and you know, he's got, he's, he's small, he'll win your fouls, he'll score your goals, he can, he can spray it out wherever he needs to, mm-hmm. low centre of gravity, you know, he'd be on, he, I think he could be really untouchable, in, but it's whatever Marco Silva is. Again though, isn't it, it's one of them, the, the winger situations, like, you know, for me, I don't, I don't think Adelon Mulligan's got much of a future left with the club. Um, yeah, same, um, yeah, I agree with that. Because, you know, I think Silva told was Adam last week at, at the Echo that the reason he wasn't in the squad for the derby was tactical, mm. which you can read a lot into that, can't you? You know, when Theo Walcott starting games at Eddie, you know, there's, well, you know, there's well, it's just playing. It's, it's, it's nothing it's against not, Walcott. It's, it's just playing badly. Yeah, it's, it? it's, not, it's just, not even like Luckman's on the bench. Luckman's not even making the squad. No, yeah. No. So if, if if that's your right winger <laughs> and you can't even make the squad to maybe force managers will change after 50, 60 minutes, then there's something going on. So. Potentially, you know, I don't think he's got much of a future left. You could say Walcott's days are probably numbered or should be numbered. So that only then leaves you with two wingers anyway, mm. in Bernard and Richarlison. Mm. You need more than that because one of them gets a knock or, like I say, one of them, the, the form dips or what have you. You need someone who can come on to, to freshen it up. And again, it's just, it goes back to the squad and you just don't realise that, I don't think, till you start properly drilling down and analysing just how much of an overhaul and just how much work there is to be done with this, this squad of players at the I, club. I've said it all season, that squad is two-thirds of it's not fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. For what we wanted, for the style of football we want to play and how we want to play it, it ain't fit for purpose. And, you know, in the summer, I'd just sell these at all cut prices and just cut our losses yeah. and just replace as much as, we, as much as we financially are able to do so. But, but it's a difficult one though, isn't it? Yeah. Because, you know, me and you spoke here about wages... That's the biggest stumbling block that the, the club yeah. has got because the wages that some of them plays on, and we're talking about players who can't even get a sniff. Sandro. Yeah, yeah no, Sandro's yeah. the biggest one of the lot, isn't he? Yannick Palassi has gone to Anderlecht, and they reckon that it's it's a pretty much a, an 80 20 split. So I think they're only paying 20 grand of his wages or something, something along them lines. And the club are delighted with that because yeah. it was like, well, that's 80 grand a month that we're going to save because Anderlecht are going to, are going to pay that. But we're still giving them, you know. 50 grand a week or so, you yeah. know and it, it's when you start looking at stuff like that that you, you realise and Ashley Williams is probably obviously similar Ilka at Stoke yeah. Sandro 
the, the, the list Morales, you know, Morales Morgan Schneider and I know he's come back into the you know, the, the frame a little bit recently but his room is Rumour fig, uh, figure is three figures comfortably. So all of a sudden, a lot of these players who, who, who you say aren't fit for purpose and, and you know, aren't going to do as, aren't going to take us anywhere. Get, getting rid of them <laughs> is hard because they're going to sit on them contracts and say, well, no, I'm entitled to yeah. 80 grand a week, I'm it, entitled to 70 grand a week. It'd be interesting to see then, come the summer, it, it, in regards to the winger situation, the future of Nikola Vlasic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know he's supposed That's to have a great, great shout out. Yeah, yeah. this season and you know this supposedly good season in Russia. I'm not saying the Russian league's the best league in the world, but he's played Champions League football as well and done well there. You know, Fluchman's surplus the requirements, which is a shame because it, you know we all want him to succeed. But it, you know, if Silva's not picking him, there's obviously something wrong. Yeah, you know, we there's a massive thing with Phil Walcott in the minute where at the minute where he's just not performing. If Vlasic comes back in the summer and he proves himself in training and whatnot, he could be he could be an answer. You never know, but. I think Walcott would turn around and say, and we had a conversation last season, Paul, about Walcott coming to us, you know, six weeks after he was I was, I was made up, and I thought he played quite well second half of last season. Yeah, he was Walcott. like a Rolls Royce, and there was people turning around, in and around, you're in the ground, and they were saying, you're too good for us. Walcott's too good for us. For that team at that stage, yeah. for, the, for Allardyce's yeah. team. And it was, but what's happened since then? He, he's, he's just proved his Arsenal form. It's why Alex Awobi was getting in the team ahead of him. Yeah. You know, Arsenal sold them for a reason at the end of the day. It mm-hmm. wasn't there. Uh... Yeah, they don't sell bad players, do they? Yeah, no, you're not gonna, no. yeah. So. But it, again, it's just, it's just Fredbear, isn't it? I mean, you, yeah. you, you look at the forward situation. I mean, I, I'm delighted Calvert-Lewin's been given a run because I think he is... Something uh, there, isn't there? Uh, yeah. There's something there that yeah. you can see something and you can see little patches of his playways and like his goal the weekend was a bit of movement. You know, his, his finish at Cardiff was, was really impressive. But again... There's a, there's a good possibility that in the summer he'll be the only centre forward, senior centre forward left at the club, mm. because you know by all accounts they would the club would have got rid of Zeng Tolson in January. Only Tolson himself didn't want to go. He was that I think the club were quite keen to get him to get him out and get him off the books mm. for a little bit, but he he had a reluctance to go. And he has clearly got no future. Otherwise he wouldn't have been shipped out to Cardiff. And apart from that, there's no one else. So again, it's and. I'm, it goes back to people saying, oh, we need a centre-forward. We probably need two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can go out there and get a 30-goal centre-forward. But if he gets a knock or a suspension, you need other people who can back him up. You know, If you want to change your game, we can play two forwards. You need two forwards who can play. You can't, we can't just go out and go, like almost like a little Lukaku, where you just go out, you get him, and then you bank on him playing every game and scoring every, and scoring every time. And You look back at that Martinez's first season, where we, did, where we become fifth. And we missed out on Champions League. We we missed out there because like who got injured on the Merseyside derby. Yeah, I missed bit, yeah. six to six to seven weeks, yeah. was it? And we had Lucina Traore on loan. Who was clearly not up to the not up to scratch. And that's what that cost us mm-hmm. because all of a sudden we didn't have a goal scoring threat no more. So it's easy to say bring people in and we can go again and we just need to centre forward, but you need more than one. Yeah. You need you need options, and that's mm-hmm. one thing that this team at the minute hasn't got. We've got no options, and that's why. Silver gets criticised on a weekly basis for the substitutes because you can see them coming a mile off before they come because oh. it's the only way, the only thing he's got to turn to. So yeah. you know that the, the first substitute most weeks is one of his wingers off and the other winger on. That, that, that's been the same substitute for about since Christmas. Or the third centre-half. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the third centre-half. And then, and then sometimes Calvert-Lewin for Tossin or yeah. Calvert, uh, Tossin yeah. on for Amy Fielder for chasing the game. 
that, that, that it's the same subset because that's all he's got yeah. in terms of turning to, and that's where we need to make the next step and get additional options. So you've got two centre forwards on the bench who you could potentially bring on, you know, two wingers. You need options, and at the minute, like you say, two days the squads aren't fit for purpose, and as a result, we that's why we just see the same thing week in week out. And not never changes. I think that leads in very nicely to our final two questions. I think this one from James Harper we've answered. He says, What are summer positions and plays the club should be targeting in the summer? Centre forward, more wingers, leaders. <laughs> I think we've done that, haven't we, today? Whole new team. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, James. We need everything. Uh, but the other one, this is a tricky question. It's the oh. last one. It's from Martin Jarvis. He says, The table doesn't lie. In the last 10 years, there's only been one occasion where we've had fewer points after 30 games. Given the investments and perceived talent, why have four managers so far? fail to get the best out of the majority of this group of players I think it's a domino effect isn't it because it's it started out as poor management from one manager who's then dealing with another manager's mess who's dealing with another manager's mess and we brought these players in three or four years ago on long you know on long term contracts on, on big money like we've just said and like Connor was saying you can't get rid of them so we, it it that's why we are where we are. And I think that's why Marcel Brands was so keen to, he said it at the beginning of the season and he said it just after Christmas as well. This has got to take time. The club is a, is a mess, basically, you know, and that's why we are where we are. And I, I saw a stat actually, I think it was, was it yesterday or this morning? Someone's done a league table of like the percentage of um, changes in your season from this season to last season. Ours is zero. <laughs> So we've not improved, we've not declined, we're the same. And it it, it it just it just says exactly where that team is at the minute. It's just a mismatch of players with, with the odd few bright sparks in it, like Lucas Dean, Kurt Zuma, Andre Gomez at times, Bernard, you know, play and the top performers really are dragging this team through, you know, this torrid season effectively now. And I hope we bring in players of that ilk in the summer. Because if you do, you know, you've got, you'd like to think then we've got a more complete team who can do some a lot more damage. Definitely. We'll just come to the final segments of this podcast. Chelsea, obviously, Everton have got a game, so I get back to winning ways. <laughs> little matter of Chelsea and a uh, little matter of the first return of Ross Barkley to Goodison. That's right, wasn't it? His first appearance against us was at Stamford yeah. Bridge early in the season. He got roundly booed when he came on and when he was off the pitch warming up. Throw one out there. He's going to get a bad reception. You know, I think everyone understands why he's going to get a bad reception. But has he been missed? You know, take away the kind of emotion out of it, the way he left the club. But would Ross Barkley improve this Everson team? If, you know, he comes back in the summer, all's forgiven. Would he improve Everson? I don't know. I think... One, my one comment I've always had about Ross Barkley is, yeah, I don't think he's got a brain. Not a football brain anyway, and... I certainly don't think he'd have the same impact in terms of goals as Sigurdsson's had. And that's probably where he'd play. So I don't know. And do you think he'd get in Everson's midfield? Um, I'd say no. Not ahead of Sigurdsson. But in relation, do we miss him? When he was driving through at times and having somebody who would get that ball and drive us forward? Yes, but... With there not being a Lukaku there, who did a lot and a, a lot of support play, and them to work together with the forwards that we've got at the club and the style of play, 
No, I don't think he'll even play against us, to be honest. In the return, uh, return fixture at Goodison Park, the Chelsea seems to have a settled team, and after the um, the, the six 0 defeat, he seems to have gone out of the team since then. So, I think the fans will just get to boom warming up and down the line again. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget though, Chelsea play the Europa League on Thursday, they, don't they? Yeah, I think yeah. he is that. Yeah, you know, but uh, they are free up. He, he may, uh, he may switch that team around. Yeah. You never know. Connor, would you be pleased to see him start or? More happy to see him on the bench, or even maybe not even play at all. I don't know what the you set me up there, Paul. It was a bit pleased to see him start because I'm going to love him at all. Happy to like it, and then you pop up with it. Yeah. Pop Sorry, up. Yeah, set it up, up there. Blame me if it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in the main. I'll be in the main stands. Row, row, row. Just come and get me. Yeah. <laughs> we've all done that. We've all. I mean, I remember being on this 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 podcast when we went to the Etihad early on in the season. It looked like where I wasn't going to play, and I said, I'll be made up if Jesus plays with so He's not a natural soldier. <laughs> 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 so, so I've got four for him. Being wise of the mark, should we say. Um, but no, I think in terms of Ross Barkley as a whole, it's what Ross Barkley you see, isn't it? Because there was times when he played for Everton where you genuinely got excited. You genuinely thought, wow, this kid could be special. and like Hans Loser today when he used to pick up the ball and he'd, he'd drive through the house from the field and I always remember that I was at the Emirates when we, we drew 1-1 and Gerard Delafeu scores and he was absolutely outstanding at the Emirates he ran the game yeah, he, he, he ran he just and people asked that you know we're comparing him to Gascoigne and people were saying he, you know, he could be the, the next Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard combined because he's got more energy he's got more about him and we just never really saw him kick on from that. We never saw him take us to that next level. Probably never ever saw him produce that type of performance on a regular basis. And I think it's just too far gone with him now. I think he doesn't play enough games. He won't play enough games on a regular basis at Chelsea to ever get back to that level. Because, you know, you look at Damienfield this year, I mean, Kante's been playing out of position. Yeah. You know, Kante, probably the best defensive midfielder, the, the best in, the defensive midfielder <laughs> in the world who most clubs would have in a heartbeat. He's been playing out of position because the setup around Jorginho mm. pivoting on the like almost playing a quarterback role. So with that with that in mind, you you then got you know Hazard to fit in. He's never going to get a game, and for me, I just think it's too far gone now. Barkley, I think he, in some respects, I think he's messed up his career. I think he he was stupid where he never played. Then he went to Chelsea. Show flashes where he was he was okay. I think he he had a performance at Burnley early on in the season where I think he scored and set two up and people were saying he Got looked he, he, he looked really Did, good. Didn't he add in that? Like you know we had three good games and everyone was like oh Ross Barkley yeah, future yeah, yeah. of England midfield and like you know yeah. we never got that when he was at Everton. Mm. And then he kind of just went back into that mould of what we've seen for yeah. probably the last six months of his Everton career in terms of flashes of brilliance but not an over not on a regular basis and he'll get booed. You'll get a bad reception, but you won't be the first, it won't be the last. And I, I think you've got to look past that, haven't you? I mean, you know, we all talk about Lukaku, don't mean say, oh, funny we have Lukaku now. The reality is we haven't, and we never will, because you'll probably never. What have we got to enhance them type of people to come back? You know, like you said earlier, we haven't got your opinion, your open football. Have we? We've got nothing to say, oh, come and play for us because we're going to do this, because that was happening. What Rob said there, that happened four years ago under the manager and it went completely pear-shaped after three months of the season mm. and the manager got sacked. So in terms of the whole 
and Hanson and back. I think I just think about Bach, it's it's too far gone. I think it's too far down the road and he's got only got himself to blame. I agree with that. I think it'll be a tough summer for brands in relation to the recruitment now of selling Everton Football Club to bring in yeah. what we need to take us to the level we want to be at. And that is going to be interesting to see how Brands, you know, deals with that and what what good he does for us. He, he has done good in, in some of the signings that he's brought in. You know, Mina, only a young lad, bit of injury prone this season, so obviously we haven't got the chance to see him on a consistent basis to make enough of a judgment on. He's on a permanent deal, so fingers crossed. Dinya, as we said, we're pleased with Gomez, whether it becomes Zuma. There are some positives in there from Brands' work already, but I think it will be a tough ask come the summer to attract the calibre of players that we're all talking and wanting as Evertonians. I think that'll be the big thing, won't it, in the summer, is what way the club go. Are the club going to go down the route of trying to sign established, well-known figures in European football? Or are you going to go down the route of trying to maybe untap some hidden gems and some, un, you know, some talent in maybe South America or like the Dutch League and places like that where they're not well-known names, they're not high-profile, they're not commanding big fees, big wages, and then trying to develop them into something that we want to mould them into, whether we're going to go that route instead of the, you know, the, almost the well-established high-profile names. Mm. Because I think read between the lines of like what people do say at the AGM and stuff, it doesn't seem as though the money's there anymore to, to go down that road mm-hmm. of the high profile. And it seems a little bit more, we're going to try and, Marcel Brand's going to try and untap hidden markets and hidden gems. And I think if we do go down that road, fans' patience will be key because it definitely won't happen overnight and it'll definitely take time because, you know, it'll take that, it'll take time for us to mould them together. And that's when, as fans, we would need to show patience and a little bit of understanding and a little bit of will. Just a final one, obviously. Predictions for Chelsea on Sunday. Start with you then, Rob. And then Ants. And then Connor. How do you see it going? Everton win 2-1. Oh, get in. I was going to say Everton win 2-1 as well. Fingers crossed. 1-1. One, one. I'm going to go 1-1 one, one as well. So that wasn't too negative, negative. was it? Negative. It's just Hazard. You know, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's class Hazard, isn't he? You, you're right what you're saying there, Connor. Just hopefully out there, brands can pick up a Hazard like they got from Mill, didn't they? All yeah. those years ago. Like Fingers crossed. But Rob... And Connor, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for all the questions that you put on the Royal Blue Facebook page. Hopefully Ian will be feeling a bit better later this week and he'll be back next week talking about an Everton Vixie. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.